everyone and happy holidays from 80s high the podcast that takes you back to the best movies music games toys and pop culture from the most radical decade in history we're your hosts i'm ben hi my name is chris uh, and this is 80s high tis the holiday season as i said at the top of the show tis I have dipped my toes into the 80s holiday season. We did start watching a National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation this week again. Mm, good one. Which has ugh, just some classic jokes in it. So good. Oh, yeah. Have you dipped your toe in yet? Any uh, classics? Die Hard, Gremlins? I was driving down the highway and I changed lanes and I ended up under a logging truck. Like, so <laughs> I also, too, strangely had a uh, Christmas vacation experience. Not yet, but I'm going to be doing a movie marathon with a mutual Ooh. friend of ours. And I think it might be Christmas themed. Don't know if we're going to do an 80s movie or not. Sure. But I did, I will say, I did watch a whole bunch of Thanksgiving movies. A lot of them that we did mention in our Plain Strange and Automobiles episode. Oh, good. Which is a lot of fun. I watched Home for the Holidays, Pieces of April, and I feel like I watched one more. But anyway, that was very nice. Wasn't there a scary one? I thought you said there was some horror. Well, I did not. Uh, Thanksgiving, I believe, is what it was called. Did, did you not, watch Thanksgiving? Shockingly oh, did not pull man. that one up. But hey, there's still time. It, it may be Thanksgiving themed, but I could watch it year round. <laughs> so good. Well... Eerily enough, there's a doll-sized box that Amazon just leaned against my front door, and I feel oh. like I need to go open it. All right. It is a classic Teddy Ruxpin. Okay, I got this tape. Uh, it says, play for announcements. Okay, it's in the back, and um, hitting play now. Hi, my name is Teddy Ruxpin, here to share today's homeroom announcements. Can you and I be friends? Then follow 80s High Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Today's lunch menu will be the souls of the children I've harvested across these many years. Just kidding. Ha ha ha. Enjoy your mystery meat stew, milk for strong bones, and a side of soylent greens. Don't be a mudblub. Join the class of 80s High to go on far-off adventures with Grubby and me all across Grundo. Email 80shighpodcast at gmail.com to join. After school today, the Pillsbury Doughboy is hosting a bake sale in the gymnasium to benefit the ethical treatment for food mascots. See Tricks the Rabbit in the cafeteria for more details. Thank you and have an iliopic day. Go Mogwise. Uh, okay, that was a complete nightmare. <laughs> How on earth did we get someone to read announcements in the voice of Teddy? <laughs> I won't be able to sleep tonight. Uh, uh, um, yeah, it just take, it's taking me back. It's taking me back. I loved hearing the voice again. It was good. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready, Teddy. Oh, man. So what do you say we head on down the hallway to history class? Uh, I've got my servo motors, and uh, I've got my magic airship. I'm ready to fly on back and find out where this came from. Let's do it. 
So this week on 80s High, we're talking about Teddy Ruxman because mm. this lovable little talking doll was the top selling toy of both 1985 and 1986. And tis the season of writing wish lists to family and, and imaginary North Pole inhabitants. So it's a good time to talk about these toys. Absolutely. I mean, as we'll get into chemistry, I think we all can remember if we were alive then, this was such a big deal. Huge. Can you tell our listeners what Teddy Ruxpin was? Ooh, okay. So Teddy Ruxpin was a talking teddy bear doll. As I understand, fairly heavy because of all the the works on the inside of it. Yes. And you'd pull the shirt up in the back and there was a cassette tape in there. And you'd pop in the cassette tape and it would tell a story. The eyes would blink and the mouth would move. As he's singing and telling you the story, and there was a book, I think like a picture book, there right. might have been words yeah. in it, to re- that kids could read along with Teddy. And I believe there was also a Grubby. Yes. A similar doll. Of course, Grubby is this caterpillar friend of his. And if you had both of them, they both would like speak their parts. Yeah, that's the dolls I remember it in a nutshell. And I think they did like over 50 stories. There's like quite a few over oh, the yeah. years. Huge catalog and a, a companion 64 episode children's TV show, The Adventures of Teddy Ruxpin. I mean, you had to write at the top, pluck a nerve. Why call the caterpillar grubby? It's Those are two completely different animals. Just call it caddy or catter. Are you talking about like a grub worm? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, a grub is like the first, st- the larval stage of a beetle. It's not even a caterpillar. If it's a, supposed to be a caterpillar, name it like after a caterpillar, not a, not a completely different animal. I mean, that's it's ridiculous. I mean, let's just go ahead and find Ken Forcey right now and just I'm, I'm explain you. himself. It's like if you Excuse had a, me, sir. a dolphin as your companion in a cartoon, you called it fishy. Like these are two different animals. Come on, get it together. <laughs> Get it together. Uh, but you, na- you named his name. Uh, so let's get into him. This quaint little animal started with Earl Kenneth Forsey, who we're going to call Ken. For this, Ken was born on September 17th, 1936 in Bellwood, Nebraska, where his father ran a grain elevator. Okay. Maybe some uh, visibility of engineering early on. Was he in the elevator with like the little uh, suit and hat thing? And he'd be like, next floor, lingerie, <laughs> next floor. <laughs> Is that how grain elevators work? A while ago, there was a guy still doing that at uh, Smith Tower down in Pioneer Square in Seattle. That was super cool. He would do that. He was awesome. Anyway, when he was six, Ken's family moved to Burbank, California, where he, uh, his father got into the trade of building furniture and toys. And Ken learned this trade, all coming in, and learned how to paint with his sister Mary uh, and draw 3D comics. He went to work in the Disney mailroom after high school, which we also just watched Elf. And the mm. scene of like Will Ferrell working in the mailroom at the sure. at the sure, children's sure. bookstore, great. But worked his way up to the studio's animation team. Nineteen fifty nine, went to the army, uh, and was assigned to decorate officers' clubs. So there's a lot of like color creativity in his youth. Like the yeah. the, the the groundwork is being laid. But after the army, he returned to Disney and built models for several famous amusement park attractions. And we did ask our class of eighties high. Oh yeah. Before inventing Teddy Ruxpin, which one of the following Disney World attractions did Ken Forsey not work on? Because he worked on a lot of them. Okay. Most people guess that Forsey had nothing to do with the Jungle Cruise. And I also want to know, well, this is very important. Have you been to Disney World or Disneyland? Uh, both. Okay, as I go through these, please tell me if you've been on these okay. rides. Uh, so the Jungle Cruise. I don't think I've been on that one. Okay. And then uh, the audience got split between... It's a Small World. Definitely ridden that. Of course. And the Hall of Presidents. Been to that. You know, the, the rest of the group didn't think he had anything to do with those. What okay. is interesting 
is that nobody voted for the Haunted Mansion. Ben N? Everybody thought he was on the Haunted Mansion. Yeah. And everyone also went on one of my favorite attractions and should be for the 80s high, <laughs> Captain right. EO. Captain EO. Captain EO. Done that one too. So okay. all but Jungle Cruise. And I may have done it. I just can't remember. Yeah. But I definitely did the other four. So which of these did he not, not work on? Not work on. Well, you mentioned something about 3D, which I don't know if you dropped that on purpose, but like Captain EO is in 3D. So I'm like maybe he did that. I'm going to go with, hmm, it's a small world. Ooh, right? It's a small world after all. And after all, he did work on It's a Small World. Ah, darn it. I threw in there. We just talked about Michael Jackson. Captain EO was on my mind. Uh, He did not work on Captain EO. Okay, you know what? I wanted to say that one, but you said 3D drawings earlier. And for some reason, that just stuck in my head. I was like, well, maybe. Okay, Captain EO. So after Disney, he went to work on uh, with Sid and Marty Croft, producers of HR Puffin Stuff. Did you ever get into that show? I remember the name. I can't picture it. Okay. And you really got working on other children's television shows. However, you've worked for several organizations. I've worked for several organizations. While you're working towards that organization's goals, always in the back of your mind, you've got your own pet project. You've got your dream child. You've got your goal of what you want to accomplish. You know, some people might have a podcast as their (laughs) side goal, for instance. Exactly. So while he's working away, crafting the It's a Small World dolls, Ken can not get out of his head. This dream to create a massive theatrical production where human actors would portray a fantasy world and the story, but the twist is that their masks would be uh, conveyed with robotics, that they would have these robotically controlled masks in this theatrical production. Okay. And in his mind, the star of this show would be a monkey named Simeon Greep. Okay. I mean, it just rolls off the tongue, right? Simeon Greep. I mean, I think Simeon means ape-like, so, you know, as... As your naming conventions go, he's kind of in that wheelhouse, right? Yeah, exactly. Although apparently Grubs. I thought there's a Grubworm, though. The great Grub controversy of 1985. I am looking up Grubworm right now. There's a Grubworm. So I think it looks – actually, you know what? Grubby is a Grubworm. So he's – Do not even start with me that worms and grubs are the same thing. Oh, my God. It's called a Grubworm. Insect and worm. Literally, I'm looking at one right now. It looks like that guy. I mean, no, he looks kind of like a caterpillar. All I'm saying is this guy's like – It's a caterpillar. Oh, my God. Grubworm and Simeon the monkey. Look, people tried to crush Ken's dreams. Don't crush what I'm trying to sell here. He named Simeon Greep after the monkeys of the United States had rocketed into space for research. But he finally got it up in the early 80s. He dipped out of Sid and Marty Croft to found his own company called Alchemy 2 with the goal of trying mm-hmm. to make this theatrical thing happen. Now, here's where I really hope your research can help me out because the last story that I can find in in his life is that he starts Alchemy 2 and then out of nowhere, boom, they're working on Teddy Ruxpin. Did you find anything of the leap from starting Alchemy 2 to coming up with Ruxpin? I left the history solely in your hands. Ugh, so so much trust, so much confidence. So maybe he just sort of fell through a magical doorway. But if you, the listener, knows, send us a letter, because this is a kind of a black hole in the story. I would love to know. Hmm. So what really made Teddy successful is the books that you mentioned. He wrote this huge, rich background of the world that Teddy comes from that you don't necessarily discover in the show or in the books, but kind of like with Fraggles. They started with the binder that was what we know about Fraggles, and then they wrote episodes based on that. Yeah. Uh, Very similar with Teddy, which I think is kind of cool. As he got into it, he started to really not like the name Simeon Greep because it keeps sounding like the word geek. 
Okay. Like, like Revenge of the Nerds. Geek. Yeah, that's what that's what's wrong with the name. Simeon. <laughs> <laughs> not that, that the target audience of like four year olds can't say had Simeon with it. Greep. Yeah, Simeon Greep. Yeah. Okay. However, in his story, there was a prince named Teddy Ruxpin. And since the doll was looking like a bear, he was like, oh, duh. I'll just call Teddy. the bear Teddy Ruxpin and name the prince Prince Aaron. Prince Aaron. Okay. Although, did it bother you? It's A R I N. I've never seen Aaron spelled that way. I mean, are you okay with that? Is it Aaron? Ooh, I don't know. Okay, I, you're just assuming it's Prince Aaron. I didn't watch Aaron. enough episodes of the cartoon to meet Prince Aaron. Aaron. The Aaron is the thing from Neverending Story, the snake infinity symbol. What are your favorite movies um, that we've done? My favorite movie. Go listen to that episode if you haven't. I loved it. I really thought you were going to put Bastion and Teddy on trial here in this episode. I mean, we're not done yet, so. It's early on. There's a lot of time to grow. I'm really excited. Sorry. So really the big hook is, right? Anyone can make a freaking teddy bear. That's not hard. You may, it's so easy to make a stuffed animal, but to make it talk and make its face and eyes move, that's a whole other thing. And that was a big breakthrough. So it was all in R&D, coming up with these electronic decoders to uh, put inside Teddy's head, which caused Teddy's face to yawn, frown. It can giggle in conjunction with the words that are coming out of the tape cassette that you would put, like you said, in the tape deck of the back of the bear. So it's really neat to do this. I mean, these are cassette tapes, right? Magnetized, both sides. Very similar technology that a photograph record uses when it's in stereo. So there's separate Hmm. tracks. So as the tape plays in Teddy's back, one track moves all the robotics and the servos and the gears to make everything move, while the other track is the audio. I never knew that, that like the actual tape in the cassette is part of the mechanics of causing the bear to move in conjunction. That's kind of cool. Oh, that's interesting. As someone huh. who knows nothing about engineering, this blows right. my mind. Someone who's listening to an engineer is like, duh, dude, how else would you make it work? <laughs> but to me, it blew, my, it blew my mind. That's very cool. They hire Phil Barron to voice Teddy Ruxman, both on the tapes and in the television show. Uh, he's a puppeteer songwriter from Sesame Street, did a lot of stuff at Disney with the Muppets, Welcome to Pooh Corner. Were you a Welcome to Pooh Corner guy? No. Yeah, I can't say I caught it. I don't. I have nothing mm-hmm. against Winnie the Pooh. I'm not part of an anti-Pooh, anti-Piglet group. You know my energy. I'm more of a Tigger, Tigger man myself. You you do have big Tigger energy. Big, let's just be clear. Big Tig energy. Big Tig energy is what. Tig. Uh, but you know, Teddy. It wasn't a one-hit wonder. They did other stuff besides Teddy. They were producing these electromechanical puppet suits that Ken was originally dreaming of uh, for okay. two different Disney Channel TV series in the mid '80s. Welcome to Pooh Corner, like we just said, uh, and Dumbo Circus. Hmm. I did not do my research well enough. I kind of now want to go back and watch these and see what these mechanical suits were like. Hmm. Is it cool or is it nightmare fuel? Right. All right. We've come up with Teddy. How do we get this bear to market? In comes Worlds of Wonder. But here's the thing. It was founded in 1985 by the former Atari sales president, Don Kingsborough. Atari in the mid 80s. Anything clicking for you, ringing a bell? I can't remember if it was at its height or already starting its decline. I can't quite recall. Uh, Wait, are you talking about the ET game that, like, similar? Imploded? Yes. Oh, okay. ET game. Similar to John Travolta being box office poison. Okay. Atari was tanking. Okay, I couldn't remember when their turn was, but I thought it was by the mid-80s. Not doing well. However, Don is a very inspiring leader. He can kind of, he's a sales guy. He can convince anybody to get on board. And Ken reaches out to Don and says, hey, do you want to try and make this cool electronic talking bear? And Worlds of Wonders founded just to sell Teddy. Don is so excited mm, that he's like, I will start a company wow. just to sell this bear. And he calls it Worlds of Wonder only for one single reason. 
What's a wise business maneuver to call this new toy company Worlds of Wonder? I guess because the acronym is WOW. He just wanted to see WOW on the Wall Street ticker. Oh, (laughs) on the ticker. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He thought that would be hilarious. For the Wall Street ticker. You know what? I like it. Good for him. It makes sense. Within the same year, he convinced five more former Atari executives to come on board. Uh, And to quote the infamously so damned likable Kingsborough, uh, recruited one staff member at a crowded restaurant by singing along with a model Teddy Ruxpin demonstration. Like, I love, it reminds me of like, um, wait, so this person was recruited through performance art? Yes. Yes. In a crowded restaurant where everyone's just trying to eat. And then this man stands up with a nightmare singing bear (laughs) and sings along. I, what I like, if this happened in like current times, you know, all the phones are coming up and everyone's hitting record right, like, and they're just happening? like, and then it's all over freaking TikTok and everything. Like, <laughs> what is going on? I liked picturing it like uh, the two lab docs in Gremlins 2 when they're like singing along with Gizmo and having a good time. Like, I like picturing Don in the restaurant, like sing along with Teddy and everyone's crowding around like, oh, well, some people thought it was cute. I guess there are those in the nightmare camp. I get it. I'm not going to take it personally. It's not a big deal. I mean, okay, maybe if I put myself back in time. Sure. I'm sitting there and there is a singing teddy bear that's actually moving its eyes, mouth, whatever. Pretty amazing. Maybe I'll take it back. Maybe I'm like, what's that? I want one too. Right. It is daylight. There's other people around. It's not like the thing kicked open your closet door at 2 a.m. and was like, do you want to hear a story? It's just a little (laughs) wackadoo way to recruit someone to your company. It's a a fun stunt. Don't be so uh, available. You know, just like play it it cool. cool. Just be like, you know what? Send me your resume. We'll be in touch. Today, the kids kids would call it thirsty. A little thirsty back then. That is some thirsty action. Yeah. So when did this bear see the light of day? September 1985. One month before my birthday. So excited. Huge success. More than 41,000 dolls were sold for about 70 bucks a piece. And they were rushing these out because they wanted something on the shelves before Christmas. Like this was going to be the big toy of the holiday season. So they're like, we need to get these babies on the shelf. Exactly. Enthusiasm. So by the time you hit Thanksgiving and the kids are going to go sit on Santa's lab, they know exactly what to ask for. There's only one thing to ask for. Yep. Uh, I I, I scrolled over. I said 41,000 dolls. That was just in the first month. That they moved. I mean, an insane amount of product at the time. Yeah. 70 bucks, which is $152 today. Not cheap. That's a premium toy. That's very expensive. Yeah. One little last note here I thought was really cool about Worlds of Wonder. So it also helped them secure distribution rights uh, in the United States to both laser tag and do you know what else they distributed? And think they spun off of Atari. So what came after Atari? What came after Atari? We have done one of these things on the show. I was going to say the little robot that came with the Nintendo Entertainment System. You said uh, <laughs> you, you said it. it was not, I mean, the robot's amazing, but they they were the distributors of the Nintendo Entertainment System, oh, which is pretty cool. Okay. And retailers were super scared of it because remember, Atari just tanked. Mm-hmm. But I love that Worlds of Wonder stuck it to them, and they're like, "Here's the thing: we're not going to give you Teddy Ruxpin unless you also take Nintendo." And of course, Nintendo massive success. As you said, there were 39 cassettes and books that went along with this guy, so they really extended it. And then, Grubby, do you want to explain the... I Look, I don't need to get into the biology. It's going to just make me angry. You he, mean Grubby the Grubworm, not oh, Caterpillar? Is that what you're talking about? 
Sorry, what am I explaining about this thing? Can you just explain what Grubby was? It just as the toy. Not, we don't have to get into the show. But what was Grubby when it came out? I mean, I don't know a lot about that character. I didn't remember it. But just, you know, in kind of reacquainting myself with this toy and world, he looks honestly like the... <laughs> speaking of Nintendo, he looks like... Oh, gosh. Which Mario was I know what you're going to say. I know exactly what you're going to say. In Mario Brothers, I think it's Super Mario World for the Super NES, when you jump on the caterpillars and they like get angry and they... Yes! They, they, look, oh, they turn red or whatever. Before you do that, they're like yellow, yep. if I remember correctly, yep. which is what Grubby looks like. He's a caterpillar-like creature. Some okay, might call I it a grub worm. I feel better uh, about caterpillar-like. Okay. Who's to say? And <laughs> who's to say? he's your kind of typical sidekick to the main character. Yeah. And I, I think he kind of talks like this or something like that. <laughs> well, Teddy, it's good to see you too. It's not an episode of 80s High until you do a perfect voice. I don't know if that was perfect. It's a little off no, the I, I, I thought Grubby was in here. So they released the Grubby doll though, but Grubby you can, with a cable, kind of like you think of uh, the Game Boy where you could have a cable and play against somebody else. You could plug the cable from Teddy into Grubby and they would both, they would like talk to each other and both read the story together. So I did see a video of both of them telling a story together and I was like, oh, I do not remember that character. I don't remember Grubby either. That was, that was beyond. The last little thing here about the toy is just they did a lot of marketing partnerships that I thought were kind of neat that I never knew about. All the different places Teddy showed up besides the shelves. So uh, actress Joanna Kearns was Teddy's spokesperson shortly after his introduction. What would people know Joanna Kearns from? You're always so good with actors and actresses. Uh, Okay, I think it's one of two shows if I'm correct. It is, was she the mother in Growing Pains? She was Maggie Seaver. Okay. On the ABC TV sitcom series, Growing Pains. I almost yeah. said who's the nailed boss, it. but that's Judith Lick. Never mind. You nailed it. Uh, he was also dubbed the official spokesbear for the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children in the launch year, which is kind of a dark thing to come out of the gate with, I feel like. So Teddy's trying to find all the missing children that we learned about on... <laughs> Unsolved Mysteries. Mysteries. Okay, got it, got it. One of the closing episodes of Unsolved Mysteries, like it's that misty corner, you know, where he comes out to like talk about the topic. But in the trench coat is Teddy. And he comes around the corner. They have like a little alternate outfit for Teddy. It's kind of like American, was it American Doll? This American Doll? What's that? No, it's this American Life. Yeah, yeah, American Girl. (laughs) American American Girl. Girl. That's what it is. Which you could plug in a tape and hear This American Life come out of their their mouth, I think. All right, everyone. Cyber Glass. This American Life. Today's topic, we're talking about Grubby. <laughs> a caterpillar, maybe a worm, maybe a grub, missing 25 years. But you know, there's all the outfits for American Girl dolls. Like, they also yeah. had a Robert Stack version for, oh God, for Teddy. She's <laughs> a little trench coat, little Hi, suit. Oh my God. I'm Teddy Ruxpin. You oh can help God. me solve a mystery. <laughs> oh, and that is, that is the start of all this. Worlds of Wonder also launched a series of safety messages for children, like PSAs. So they partnered with a lot of different places, including just firefighters and the United States Lifesaving Association, which I had to go look up just to see what that was about. Hmm. And it's like lifeguards and water safety. Oh, okay. And I actually watched like maybe five minutes of the video and it's just Teddy like, going near the water can be dangerous. Make sure to go with an adult. Here's how to tell if water is like, just talking about like swimming safety. PSAs, yeah. I never knew was a thing. I like it. Uh, It was kind of cool. They also contracted with Wendy's, hmm. so they did uh, happy, uh, not Happy Meal. Who? What's Wendy's? Toy? Kids Meal. They did Kids Meal toys for Teddy Ruxpin oh. in 1987. I never knew that. 
So like we mentioned at the top, there was also a show that went along with this, The Adventures of Teddy Ruxpin. Come dream with me tonight. Was it magical? I, I sang it, actually. That was me. Uh, it was not. <laughs> Phil Barron wrote the song and sang it and voiced Teddy. This guy, creative powerhouse. Yeah. I did so the lyrics, just so we know for the show. It's kind of fun. Come dream with me tonight. Let's go to far off places and search for treasure bright. Come dream with me tonight. Let's build a giant airship and sail into the sky. Let's watch the ground so far below. Let's watch the birds as they fly by, fly so high. Come dream with me tonight. So originally syndicated by LBS Communications, and it reveals how old Teddy Ruxpin is. How old do you think Teddy Ruxpin is? Like, in the world of Teddy Ruxpin, is he 108? Is he a 92-year-old grandfather? He's an adult. You know, how old is he? I think he's like Yoda. He's 900 years old. (laughs) He's only 15. 15, okay. 15-year-old Teddy Ruxpin leaves his home on the island of Rilonia Mm. with his best friend, Grubby, to follow an ancient map which leads him to find a collection of crystals on the mainland of Grundo. With help of his new friend, Dr. Newton Gimmick, which are the three main protagonists, often just called the trio, they discover magical powers for what turned out to be an ancestral treasure, kind of like a music box for Fraggles. Do not compare these two things. <laughs> I'd be very upset with you, you if you tried to do that. They, they talk, they have stories, a rich background. One of these things is not like the other. But there are bad guys trying to get this treasure as well. M-A-V-O, short for Monsters and Villains Organization. The 80s love to have these like janky acronyms for their bad guys. Mask, Venom. Yeah. Ugh, awful. Uh, 65, 21-minute episodes between Christmas Eve 1986 and October 23rd, 1987. It didn't have a long run at all for the show. I'm going to tell you why in chemistry. How many Teddy Ruxpins do you own right now? Zero. <laughs> do not believe you. Um, but let us remember distribution started with Atari, which had just had a terrible downfall. Mm. And what do we know about history since we are in history class? If you don't learn from it, you're doomed to repeat it? Look, you have attended every single history class of 80s High, and so you've been paying attention. What happened? First of all, WoW was really trying to defend itself. Two other companies, Vector Intercontinental and Veritable Learning Systems, produced tapes that work with Teddy Ruxpin, and they sued the bejesus out of them in 1986, huh. claiming, hey, you can't do these tapes for our Ruxpin. We do the tapes. That's our thing. And they did win. Uh, in, in states of Ohio and Texas, and ordered the infringing tapes to be destroyed, removed off the market, just like a uh, just like ET. Yeah, yeah, buried in the desert. Exactly. I, don't, I was just gonna say I don't know if they collect them and buried them in a dump somewhere, <laughs> but uh, you know. So here's the problem: top grossing toy of '85, top grossing toy of '86, and as management can make the mistake, you can't just assume it's going to be the top selling toy of '87. You got to innovate. Yeah, and they didn't. They thought, hey, man, this is just going to keep growing. So they grossly overestimated the popularity and inventory requirements for Teddy for 1987, which was actually declining due kind of to their own fault. Because you know what was selling way better than Teddy Rexman by 87? Nintendo? Nintendo. Mm. The kids had caught in the digital bug and just the talking bear wasn't doing it for them anymore. A talking bear versus a game system. One of these things has a lot of versatility. The other, not so much. Not so much. And so they had ordered so many assets and parts to make so many bears. It got 
worse because they started to try and sell and trade stock to try and save the company when they started to see what was going on. And that scared the heck out of investors. Mm. And investors started to sell their stock. Mm. 1987, stock market crash. Mm. No airship could sail you away from the stock market crash. And so by 1988, Worlds of Wonder filed for bankruptcy and was liquidated by the end of the year. 1991, Worlds of Wonder closed for good. Mm. That is the history of Teddy Ruxpin. All right. We know how the dog came into being. We know how the company kind of rose and fell. Let's talk a little bit in our next class, if we're ready, about our experience with Teddy, our memories. Yes. Having learned about all these mechanisms, servos, and machines, I think a science-based class is a great place to go to now to dig into it. Let's do it. All right. So at the top... Do you, whether you had one or not, whether you saw one on a shelf or in the woods at night chasing you in horror, what are your earliest memories of, as you put it, Theodore Ruxpin? Oh, Mr. Theodore. I remember being very enamored, fascinated by this toy, seeing the commercials. Mm. I don't think any of my friends had one. But I just remember it was obviously the talk of school, and I wanted one. But I never got one. And I have to imagine it's because when you are a child, you learn very quickly how much you can get out of your family for (laughs) birthdays and holidays, right? Yes, yes. And so you really have to prioritize in your little mind, what is my big request for my birthday, for Christmas, you know, whatever. Yeah. And so I just don't ever think that Teddy made the list, despite the fact that I was like interested and I thought it looked really cool because it was a kind of advanced technology, right? It was something that we had never really seen before other than you go to Disney World and you see the ride. But we know there's all of this like hidden machine work making it happen. There isn't Teddy, but he's just it's all condensed into this little bear. Right. So I think it would have been about six years old when this came out. So I would have been like in the prime age group and I had teddy bears and stuffed animals and I loved them. But again, I I have to think it was just because, I don't know, maybe I wanted that Nintendo. Certainly I did. Or games for the Nintendo that I'm like, do I ask for two games for the NES or would I get this Teddy Ruxpin doll? Which Mm. cool as it is, does one thing. So, you know, I that's kind of... My memory of it, uh, you know, and revisiting it, I totally forgot that there were books that went along with it. I don't remember what exactly what I thought of it, but I was like, oh, yeah, of course, it'll have a book you follow along with, and it's going to just tell a particular story. I guess I didn't realize that there was a whole world that Ken and Phil and all the other people involved created where it was telling this, like, far-off land. Yeah. That part totally didn't get. I am right there with you. I never knew there was this whole, like, backstory and world. I... I certainly like had heard the theme song, but I never watched the show. Uh, yeah. We'll talk a little more about the show in a minute. I don't even remember it being on. No, not at all. I mean, I guess it was only like you said for what a season and a half, two seasons. So yeah, pretty much it, like a year less, less than a year. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. We were talking about this over the holidays, and this is one of the hardest things in nostalgia. And I don't know if you've experienced this. I don't know if our listeners have had to experience this. But getting ready for this episode, I, start, I went digging through all my my photo albums, and I found pictures of me opening Teddy Ruxpin on Christmas morning, yeah. 1986. Okay. I remember having Teddy Ruxpin. But I don't have really clear memories of like opening it on Christmas morning and like very clear memories of playing with it. 
But being that I have the photographs, I'm like, oh, well, the memories I do have of Teddy Ruxpin, are these just being created by me looking at these images? Or do I actually, are they are, are they really locked away somewhere in my brain? Sure. And it's a real memory I can have without seeing the photograph. No, that makes sense. I mean, that's kind of the issue with memories, particularly from childhood, is it's Memory is always reconstructed, right? Every time you remember something, your brain kind of reconstructs it. And unbeknownst to us over the years, it can actually shift a lot. And yeah, I mean, there's a whole science of the neurochemistry of it all. But it's funny how that works. I think I have a great metaphor for the science you're trying to explain. There's this little sleeper indie film called Jurassic Park. And in it... Uh, trying to slip in your favorite properties no matter where you can. It's explaining how they make dinosaurs, and there are these gaps in the dino DNA, and they just plug in frog DNA to try and like make it complete. Okay, so your, if I understand correctly, your <laughs> photo is frog DNA. It is. Thank you. It is frog DNA, and your memory and, like, is a, a mosquito encased in amber. <laughs> Got yeah, it. I'll go. Yeah, yeah. Got it. I was just trying to make a real simple short leap. All our to, listeners like, really right now easy are for everybody. And they're like, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. The frog DNA. So I got him. I had a Teddy Ruxman and the photographs from that Christmas are adorable. I am elated. You can tell the box on the ground. I don't know what it is. I'm like very curious in the photographs. And then it was just a series of photographs with Teddy Ruxman sitting on various family members' laps. Mm. My grandfather, my dad, my mom. Uh, and we're like listening to the stories together. And it's very sweet and wholesome. And then you flip the bear over to like check the batteries and there are no batteries in it. And there are no, and there are no batteries Much like in, in Child's it. Play when the mom. <laughs> yeah. And then the photographs get real dark. We're like yeah. tied up in the basement. It gets really nice. My um, name is Teddy Ruxpin. <laughs> Do you want to play a game? I've got a story for you, Benny. You're like, wow, you, you know, know my name. After Teddy hibernates in storage for so long, he's Ooh, very hungry. Yeah. Very hungry. Yeah. But, you know, it is it is a little sad because then I started clicking through photographs of 87 and 88 and 89, and Teddy just starts to slowly disappear, and you see the other toys come in. It's The attention span of a child on the toys they're excited about is so short. Much like the Woody doll, some Buzz Lightyear oh, comes no. around, and Teddy's relegated to the bottom of the toy chest. A.K.A. Nintendo Entertainment System. Oh, my gosh. Everyone's Buzz Lightyear right there. A memory that there is no photograph of, but I do. the part that I do remember really clearly is that his bottom jaw, the part that moves to talk, definitely broke off. Not broke as in didn't like move. Like gone. Gone. Like he didn't have a lower jaw. That is, wow. Which is terrifying. But the, the noise would still come out of his throat, his gullet. As he's like ventriloquist talking, like he's yes. not moving his mouth, but he's speaking. Yes. Nothing terrifying nightmarish no, no, about I, that. But it's nightmares, right? So that's what burned it in my head is like this, what I thought was a fun little toy was just like, like it's horrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those were our memories. And we reached out to the class of 80s high and of course asked, what do you remember? Tell us what our listeners thought about their memories of Teddy Ruxman. (laughs) Words such as terrifying commercials, creeped out by the commercials. He's terrified. (laughs) Some were like, I remember the commercials, didn't know anyone who had them, and uh, a couple of my brothers had this. I thought Mm. it was the coolest thing when I was younger and brought about a new era in technology for the toy industry. Absolutely. I mean, that's something that we talked about. It's kind of that jump forward. And a slight tangent, but I was trying to remember, like, if this is a tech bump, what other toys provided a similar kind of like, oh, we're going to break 
the dynamic in your brain about what a toy can do. Yeah, and we're just going right. to like throw something new at you. And I, the two that I came up with are the Tamagotchi. Do you remember that? Oh, game changer for sure. Like finally a game that you took everywhere and you had to care for a thing and there were consequences and it was always, it, it, it's almost like predating social media and phones being a instrumental part of our life. It's always yes. at our fingertips. You always had that Tamagotchi. Like, is it hungry? Is it sleeping? Yeah, that sort of addictive gameplay because yeah. it was like a tiny tiger electronic game, but there was responsibility with it. For some reason, it was a psychological experiment of you don't want to kill this make-believe digital animal. So the second one, I don't ever think was actually a real toy, but Home Alone 2, there was the Talkboy tape recorder. The Talkboy! <laughs> oh my god! I don't think that ever existed, but that was a thing that my young brain exploded when I was like, you can record your voice and you can change the speed and you can do it. Like that was such a amazing thing. All of these are now things that are all jammed into our phones with 8 million other things. Right. But that was like a kind of like the Teddy Ruxpin, a single use toy. It did one thing really cool, uh, but it was revolutionary. For sure. God, the talk boy. I haven't heard anybody talk. Do you think, is that why Home Alone 2 got made was just to try and like promote that? I mean, it's kind of like they only made E.T. to sell Reese's Pieces. No, that's not true. Uh, <laughs> Reese's Pieces like, all right, we got to get our sales up by 50%. Hershey's giving us the old one, two, what's for? How about an alien comes down and he thinks they're delicious <laughs> in the forest? <laughs> Millions of dollars. So being that you, the class of 80s high, the majority were said the commercials were terrifying. Do you just feel seen? You know, it's funny. I think it now. As a child, I never found them particularly scary. And I think yeah. I only think it now because it's become such a trope with your child's plays and your Five Nights at Freddy's, which I'm sure we'll talk about in contemporary culture. Yeah. And just the whole, you know, concept that we know more about now and talk about now with the Uncanny Valley, like those kinds of things. <laughs> yeah, 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 I yeah. feel like it's just there's more of an immediate awareness of it. As a child, I don't ever remember it being scary. Yeah. And, you know, I don't want to say the same thing is true of our listeners who did the survey, but I think retroactively they found it terrifying. I think when uh, they were younger at the time, I don't I don't believe they found it that way. I mean, this is a topic that comes up a lot with 80s, like especially toys and video games where like when we were kids, no problem. Yeah. You look back now and you're like, that's what? an insane concept that kids were into that. Why? So many times with toys. Yeah, 100%. So Ben, you mentioned a cartoon, right? Right. So neither of us watched the cartoon. But in preparation for class today, did you dip your toe into the world? Did you go did you go watch any? Ben, I tried. <laughs> I watched what was it, thirteen episodes of Dino Riders. Yeah. And I had a blast. Dino Riders is awesome. I could not get through a single episode of this show. It was <sighs> oh. hard. I think it trends a little younger, so that's part of the problem, right? It's yeah. like like really young kids. I did yeah. not find the story of the world interesting at all. Everything about it was boring, snoring, no good. What did you think? Opposed to what you usually say, what you're saying is making me feel a lot better. Okay. Because Likewise. I too, I too could not make it through a single episode. Oh. And they're not long. They're what, 23 minutes? I think it's a regular cartoon episode, but it felt like... I was like, oh, I have to be halfway done. And it was five minutes. And I was like, I can't do this. It was the middle of the afternoon and oh. I fell asleep. Yeah. It's only 23 minutes and I couldn't get to the end of it. Yeah. And I think you're hitting it all the nail on the head. The animation's not bad. It's a little, it's like a little smurfy. And I think part of the good problem is Phil Barron 
has such a good but soothing and comforting and soft voice mm. for Teddy. Like his voiceovers are so calming. Yeah. I couldn't get through it. It's and like you said, I think it's great for like really younger kids. Maybe this show would be awesome. But really it comes down to I think it's missing the critical triumvirate of what makes an 80s cartoon great. People riding dinosaurs <laughs> shooting lasers is what is what it's missing. Well, I, I just think of other children's shows that whether they're cartoons or puppets or whatever, that had very elaborate creative worlds. And, you know, we talked recently about Fraggle Rock, and that was such a magical, well-done, make-believe world. I think part of the issue here is it's just not an interesting world. It's not well done. There's just something about it that's not interesting. You know what? It felt like the make-believe world of Neverending Story. (laughs) I found it abysmal. Not interesting. It tried to be creative and elaborate, and it was boring. And I think that's just what it is. It didn't have the right whatever, the right chemistry, the right formula, the right pieces in place. There is one thing that really weirded me out about the cartoon that did catch my attention. So Teddy is from Rolonia, and in the cartoon, Teddy says right out of the gate, he's an Iliop, which is a bear-like creature. So what is canon? Is Teddy Ruxpin... A bear? Well, you just said what it is. <laughs> right, but everybody knows him as a bear. Who? You listen because to Because Iliop right? is a made-up word. I know. It's part of this boring mythology that was created. <laughs> and no one uses the term because no one watched the show or listened to the stories. They just got the toy and they're like, oh, it talks. And then yeah. they're like, okay, I'm done. And it obviously looks like a teddy bear. But there, I cannot tell you how many listeners right now, this is the scream at the radio moment where people are like, it's a bear. I'm sorry, but the writers said it's an Iliop, a bear-like creature. and again, I probably said this on the show. The creator also said it's Jif, and I think that's a that person is a dingbat. It's a gif, and I don't care what the creator said. Iliop, that blew my <laughs> That blew my mind. Just because you created doesn't me? mean you're right. Well, and it, it just tracks. You know, they can't tell what the heck a caterpillar is or what a caterpillar looks like. They're just going to call it a grub. Grub worm. Oh, don't you even blow my freaking mind. I get it. They don't understand what species are. And that's the problem. That's okay. He was in engineering and creativity, wasn't into science, biology. I can't fault him. I get it. It's all right. But really the meat, the heart of chemistry that I really want to talk with you about, and you've touched on it a couple times, but I just want to like put a nice little molten nugget here in it. There were a lot of awesome toys in the 80s. A lot of awesome toys. We have content for 80s high for decades for toys alone. Mm-hmm. And this was the number one selling toy for a fifth of the 80s. For two years in the 80s, no other toy sold more than this. Right. And so I want to ask you why. Why was this the quintessential toy? Why did it do so well? I think it was the novelty of it. I think it, you know, it was a cute looking bear. Like as a as yeah. a teddy bear goes, it's the appearance. It's and I know it's kind of changed slightly over the years. Of course, we'll sure. talk about the brand new one. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's a cute bear and it's a cool novelty. The fact that it could play tapes and talk and sing. And so I think it's one of those things where, you know, it's like, why did Tickle Me Elmo do so well? Yeah. Whatever year that came out, the early 90s or whatever, that was like the hot thing that everyone yeah. needed to have. It flew off the shelves. People were paying exorbitant amounts of money for it. But people do that now. PS4s, PS5s, these things come out and people mm-hmm. pay twice the price because they want to have the thing. And so in an era of consumerism, we've talked about that with the 80s. Oh, yeah. And marketing oh, yeah. to children, I think it's no wonder that something cool and new and novel comes out. 
every kid's going to want it. And they're going to ask the parents. The parents are going to try to make it happen. Yeah. I'm almost guaranteeing you most kids had a tape or two. The rest of the time they just played with Teddy, turned off. (laughs) Yeah. Probably true. And just did their own stories with Teddy, for sure. Possibly. I think you're right on there. I think there are a lot of little elements here that made Teddy so successful. And one, I think the top one, is that Teddy gave the child attention. Pre-Teddy, toys just existed. Like, it was just a thing there. Here's an action figure that doesn't respond to you and you don't have to do anything with. Here are Tinker Toys. Here's trucks and cars and dolls. They're just there. And even you had toys like Betsy Wetsy, which I would even argue is maybe a precursor to Tamagotchi's. You had to give your attention to the toy. You had to take care of the toy. Right. But Teddy read a story to you and with you and like reacted to that story with you as you would with a kid. And like, you've been around plenty of children. We've been around other children. What do little kids want? They're, they want attention. They want someone to listen to them and to look at them. It's almost like an imaginary friend come to life, right? Exactly. I think there's another little kid perception of like, for so much of like your very first few years, everything is bigger than you. Mm. Like everything important, every authority, everything is giant, cars, people, whatever. But there's like this turning point in a child's time where you, where some things are smaller. Right. For the target market for Teddy, you were a little bit bigger than Teddy Ruxpin, but it was also kind of an authority figure. So there's something novel about that. That is kind of cool that you're like, I'm bigger than Teddy Ruxpin, but he also knows all these stories. Neat. Now, that's an interesting point. Like, he's kind of like a, a friend that's taking you along on a journey, but he's not bigger than you. He's smaller right. than you. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, that You're an adventure of... together to your imaginary yeah. friend point that you make. I think it's really good. Yeah. I know you and I almost elected to go into a coma when we're watching the cartoon, but for a child, I think the storytelling is pretty engaging. Like, the like when Teddy's animated and he's telling the stories and you're flipping through the book, like... I think that's an important part of it. It was it was engaging storytelling rather than like talking toys at the time. Speak and spell, which is like frog, F-R-O-G. Do you want to play with me? Like yeah. really scary and boring. This was really engaging by comparison. Yeah, compared to anything else on the market at that time. Absolutely. And the last part is I think I got to give credit where credit's due. It's Phil. Phil Barron, his voice is like perfect. Mm. he's youthful and it's comforting but it's also there's some adultness there that feels like security and safe yeah for a child to be with it's just his voice is perfect for teddy ruxman well it's funny i was reading some articles and stuff for the episode and there was someone talking about their son who woke up from a nightmare and was talking to teddy to like tell him about the nightmare and kind of like process his fear right so he was like Teddy became sort of like a social tool, like a a comforting thing that this kid could talk to, basically like talk himself out of the fear and the scared feelings he had, you know, from from having that nightmare. And so I think, could you do that with a regular stuffed animal? Sure. But I think the fact that this one had some livelihood to it, then you almost felt like, well, he's not going to respond to me, but I know his voice and I know he cares. Another piece I read about George Wilkins, who's one of the composers, and he said that one of the songs that they had written, he found unforgettable. I guess a year into the project, Alchemy received a letter from a young girl dying of leukemia. Did you hear or read about this? (gasps) Am I emotionally in a place to be ready for this story? Oh, my God. Well, so the girl requested the Teddy lullaby, Will You Go to Sleep Before I Do, to be played at her funeral. Oh, my God. It was like... Are you kidding me right now? And I listened to the song and I was like, I got a little like teary because I was like, it was just a very sweet, but also terribly sad, this poor young girl dying of leukemia. But 
this teddy doll was so important to her and this song that she identified with, that was part of her request for how she wanted to say goodbye. And, oh, that just like... If that doesn't tug at your heartstrings, I don't know what does. Well, it just it goes to reinforce, like, again, I hate to say this, but some of the marketing genius of the partnerships of, like, positioning him as this authority figure on comfort and safety and reassurement. Like, again, True. Firefighters, Lifesaving Association. Oh, my God. Wow. Uh, I miss that. That's both tragic and beautiful at the same time. Oh, right. my God. Yeah. We've said the word grub a bunch of times in this episode, which yeah. is a synonym. I don't know if you know this. For food, and I've therefore become very hungry. Okay. Would you be interested in not coming and dreaming with me tonight, but riding in my airship to the cafeteria to get something to eat? I am starving, much like a bear coming out of hibernation. I want to eat everything in sight. So let's go. I never knew an Iliop could be so delicious. It sounds like lollipop. I'm sorry. When you see it written, it looks like lollipop. And that's all good. Just, I kept, I said lollipop a couple times trying to research this. It's How ridiculous. many chomps does it take to get to the to center the of an Iliop? Oh, Oof. Awful. 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 Well, if you chomp too much, the lower jaw breaks off. Is it's what true. I that's what happens. Oh, my gosh. You know, Ben, speaking of the worst <laughs> and awful speaking things. Of- We did ask our listeners, what's the best or worst book for Teddy Ruxpin to read out loud? This is fantastic. So we had a couple of great standout responses that I wanted to throw out, which are clearly the worst. Well, I don't know. Let us all decide. The the Necronomicon, which (laughs) is basically a book of the occult. Like Ray from Ghostbusters would have this in his bookshop. Yes. See, I'm doing more of your favorite properties here, well, Ben. In uh, It, we talked about H.P. Lovecraft. It, he invented it. It's like a... It's, it's, it's a fake like, book, exactly. It's a fake book of like horror and spells and It's like lore. history and lore and yeah, all these nightmare creatures. Yeah. Is that the book they have to go retrieve in uh, Army of Darkness? It is, is an Army of Darkness as okay, well. Okay, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Right, yep. okay. All so originates from H.P. Lovecraft, so definitely, you know, a nightmare thing. Which, I don't know if this listener knew this, if you play in reverse the first Teddy Ruxman episode, it is actually the Necronomicon. He, he does read that line. Yeah, that's how it worked oh, out. Oh, man. Ken's a funny guy. He oh, has, my he gosh. tricks up his sleeve. <laughs> and the other one, which this listener thinks is both the best and the worst, Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh my goodness. That's your American Gall doll. Uh, there's a lot of outfits that come with that version of Teddy oh, Ruxpin for that reading. Oh my gosh. Hey, just like a well-read spell from the Necronomicon, just because Teddy died doesn't mean he's not coming back. Mm. And boy, <laughs> did Teddy come back. Here's what's nuts. He came back right away. Yeah. So when Worlds of Wonder closed its doors totally in 1991, Hasbro bought the rights right out of the gate. Hasbro, no small fish titan of the toy industry i feel like nowadays hasbro's like the monolith i'm like there's probably two companies out there and i think hasbro has all the things yeah they're huge so they they produced teddy ruxpin under their play school toy line uh for five more years and worlds of wonder had actually just been 
doing a new design on the bear. And it's not that different than like the OG Teddy Ruxpin. Yeah. So it was a slightly different Teddy Ruxpin for the 90s. But again, history repeating. Not doing well for Hasbro. So just two years later, 98, yes, with an exclamation point, entertainment bought the rights to Teddy Ruxpin. Did not do super well because they were terrible at management and mm. Alchemy uh, removed the licensing. They were like, you, you're, you are destroying Teddy Ruxpin. We're taking it back. Dragging this poor bear through the mud. So this is where like Teddy goes off the freaking rails. I'm not going to lie. During the time with Yes Entertainment in 98 and on, there's an interactive video model under the branding TV Teddy. So okay. instead of like reading a story with you, Teddy like watches TV shows with you. So you put in like a VHS. The technology is kind of cool, but it's just, I don't know. It's getting away from less being there with you as the child and more like let's watch a movie together. Huh, okay. So you, you'd put in like Teddy Ruxpin VHS cassettes and an RF transmitter would relay signals from the tape into the Teddy Ruxpin and he would like watch and comment and his face would react to the episode of Teddy Ruxpin with you as the child. Now, if he was like Mystery Science Theater 3000-ing, then I would love this That would be amazing. <laughs> or like, I, I also, I would love if he was like a VH1 pop-up video. Yeah. Where he's like, what most people don't know is in this scene, I lost my vest. Like, cool that would story, be- bro. <laughs> While filming this scene, you know, like, oh, okay. They're, oh, good to know, Tony. I need give him a fist bump. <laughs> fist bump. It's a very weird time for like uh, Teddy and Chill. Yeah. It's just weird to like pop into VHS and watch it with this toy. Then they made like a small Beanie Baby toy that like came along with him. That wasn't a big thing. They're trying everything. Whatever hits at the wall doesn't work. Teddy goes to sleep for almost a decade. 2005, Backpack Toys announces a fourth version of Teddy Ruxpin. No more audio tapes, digital ROM cartridges you now plug in. Which I don't know if you remember digital ROMs. It was digital like digital ROM. Yeah, it was like a little it was kind of like a cassette tape, almost like an A-track. And like like sometimes they would come on keychains and would play like Hit Me Baby One More Time. Would have like it would have one song on it, like a little oh, plastic. Gosh, I'm not picturing those thing. for some reason. They're very strange. However, this is what's nuts. The version that came out in 2005 from Backpack Toys. It was awarded in 2006 the Animated Interactive Plush Toy of the Year Award by Creative Child Magazine. I'm going to guess it's the only toy in that category. Okay, so that is my exact problem with this award <laughs> is it's so freaking specific. What? Yeah. They only created the award to give it to Teddy Ruxpin. Exactly. It's, it's got to be. There's nothing else. Like, I heard we won an, won an award about 80s nostalgia Seattle-based <laughs> podcast hosting. D- dual hosting podcasting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, by people named Ben and Chris. It's uh, crazy. We won. <laughs> How did we make this happen? Whoa. So before we really get into the critique of modern Teddy, you know, other things that you, iterations that came from Teddy afterwards. Ben, did you see the live action TV show? No, only in my nightmares. Nightmares indeed. So much like the Gorgs from Fraggle Rock had no, humans inside no, 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 to no, have no, the no, creatures, no, no, no. they made a version of Teddy Ruxpin with actors inside suits. Do we do the faces have robot robotic faces though? Yes. This is the dream. His dream was real. That is what was in his mind since he was working in the granary as like a two-year-old with his father. But much like the Gorgs, when you were like, hey, there was someone in the face who was controlling the eyes and everything. I was like, that's so cool. Nightmare. <laughs> this show was a nightmare. Not only do you have the terrible storyline and the boring characters, it just looked creepy. You should go look it up. This is Uncanny Valley, in my opinion. It's just 
not so do you okay. Watch, here's the question, though. So you watched you, you you played it. There was moving imagery of this that you watched. Yeah, and once again, I watched even less of it than I okay, watched. Okay, that was the my cartoon. question. I want to know which you watched more of. Yeah. Oh, which okay, movie yeah. Uh, no, and I think I started the cartoon first. I was like, oh my god, and then I saw it was a live action. I was like, okay, and it was like nightmare, nightmare. and just kind of ended it there. <laughs> it's bad, oh, no. so bad. Is it the is it the acting that's bad? Is it weird setting? Is it just like uh, the lighting? It's, I mean, the it's lighting everything. Is like cheap basement it lighting? looks weird. It looks kind of cheap. Again, the story is boring. Like everything about it. Nothing was redeemable or charming or anything. Like who voices Teddy in it? I think it's the same guy. I think okay, it's still that's Phil. a little better. It always throws me off when someone else tries to voice the same character. You know what they very easily could have done because it's the exact same story. They could have just taken the audio and like dubbed it over for this. Who would have even known? I'd missed that. I'm so glad you brought that up. I had no idea that was a thing. I, that's the only thing I found other than a couple other things that I think we're going to get into, which yeah, involve yeah. both original Teddy and the newest iteration of Teddy. Totally. So in 2012, Seth MacFarlane did Ted, which is a movie with Mark Wahlberg about a gutter-mouthed teddy bear obsessed with fornication and drinking. This is widely seen as a nod to a kind of what if Teddy Ruxpin was alive, but also a horrible, horrible monster. I haven't seen the movie. Do they make any references to Teddy Ruxpin stuff? Or is it just like, oh, Teddy was a talking bear. This is a talking bear. Like, is it definite inspiration or just sort of like this was like a movie in the ether? I probably watched on Netflix. Sure. Like I probably this is back in the disc days of Netflix. I probably got the disc from Ted and watched it, and I, it's been a long time since I've seen Ted. Okay, so I can't remember if they actually talk about Ruxpin, but I think it's more of like a parallel of like, oh, here's my best friend. It's a talking bear. Yeah, na 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 na. But. Mr. Forsey in 2012 did express that he was really, uh, and he's very polite. He expressed discomfort with the existence of the movie and like what Seth had done to like a fuzzy Teddy partner bear. So he probably did not like the video game series Five Nights at Freddy's. No, absolutely not. No, absolutely not. Because I think Ken Forsey was also involved with Chuck E. Cheese, right? The animatronic characters of Chuck E. Cheese. Right, good throw out, yeah. But if you don't know Five Nights at Freddy's, <laughs> you're basically the night guard at this like Chuck E. Cheese type place and all the animatronic monsters come to life and you have to try to survive the night. And I've played the game and it's a nightmare of all nightmares. It's delightfully <laughs> terrifying. Are they just popping out of nowhere and just like attacking you? Do you know? You, you have to, you're watching them on security camera. You've never played this game. No, man. is it good? It's fun. Oh my God. You're watching them on security cameras so you can see like the bears running. And then you have to come back to your room and they can show up like down the hall. <gasps> when you look at them, they stop moving. But the minute you look away. Oh, that's terrifying. Then they can move and you can like close your door, but you can only do it for so long. It's like if you can find it for cheap and you want to. That sounds kind of fun. Not sleep. Not sleep. Play Five Nights at Freddy's. Well, and I think that was true about Teddy Rexman, where if you weren't watching it, it did move and follow you and chase you around. Obviously, I think Chuck E. Cheese and those things are the main inspiration for Five Nights at Freddy's, of course. But behind all of these animatronic talking things is Mr. Ken Forsey. And so, like it or not, he can't escape it. I know he he had his very polite dissatisfaction. and, (laughs) And here's the thing. Who's to say? But Ted came out in 2012, and two yeah. years later, Ken passed away. Oh. What I would call maybe a right a young age of 77. 77 is not that old. But, you know, True. maybe it could be 
it was congestive heart failure. So I think he mm. died of a broken heart of having seen Ted and what it was being done to his creation. I mean, possibly, right? Possibly. That's horrible. But we did, we, did, we did lose him seven years ago. But you know what we didn't lose? Teddy Rexman. Just keeps coming back. Are we talking about the 2017 return? Yes. I think oh. this is a part you've been very excited to talk about. Remember, the last we heard about Teddy Rexman was winning the very specific stuffed animal where cassettes fit into it and reads children's bedtime stories of 2006 awards. Winner! Winner! You nailed it! So in 2016, Wicked Cool Toys announced the production of a new Teddy Ruxpin line uh, for 2017 coming out. No physical cartridges. Instead, it just comes programmed with three stories locked in it. And the rest you have to buy on a mobile app that just sort of communicates via Bluetooth to the bear. Yeah. How do you feel about the new iteration of Teddy? Look, on one hand, I get it. I read an article or, and watched part of a video where they were talking with one of the designers. Her name is Carrie Volpone. And, you know, she's like, even though the adults who grew up with it as kids have a nostalgia for the old look, we're trying to make something that appeals to a modern audience. So it does look different. I don't have an issue with that necessarily. Mm-hmm. I will say this. I think the original doll is much cuter. For sure. I think the new one, the problem is it has LCD eyes. Two brilliant, bright pools of light staring at you. But they They're don't just stare animated. at you. They blink only in the way that yes. like janky LCD moves. And then they turn into crazy spirals and swirling stars. And as the kid stars, stares into its eyes, it starts to be it's like, a little you much. will find your parents. Get me $20. Yeah, totally. It does feel like hypnotism. Overall, again, we talked about NES more or less crushing this bear back in the 80s. Think of all the things that exist right now for kids to interact with. Having a doll that talks and reads to you is cool, but it's like we have apps that do such much more amazing things. And I think it retails for roughly whatever the original doll retailed for. Adjust for inflation, I think, is what this one retails for now, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, is it is so ripe for a horror movie because, I mean, yes, scary that the doll would start, like, talking in the 80s in the middle of the night in your corner room, just like a speaking spell that was left on. But, like, the this was totally like yeah. if you walk into your, your child's room at night and the lights are out and it's really dark and you, like, you would just see these lights, these eyes yeah. light up in the darkness. Like, that's how the horror movie goes. That's, that's when you're dead. You're dead. Much like Ian Malcolm's critique oh, no. of opening an amusement park of dinosaurs. <laughs> Two Jurassic Park references in one episode! Your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. Exactly. That was the question. And apparently it's a sleep mask, so you can cover the nightmare eyes. Oh, yeah, I saw that in the little, it was like an unboxing Because video. it doesn't close its eyes. When it's turned off, they turn into dead black pools <laughs> of nothing. So you either have glowing eyes in the dark, spinning crazy spirals, or an empty void a chasm of the nothingness. nothing from the never-ending story. This is where it, the this nothing is where it from sleeps. The never it sleeps in the story. modern Teddy Ruxpin's skull. Ben, you have your answer. You were like, what is the there nothing? Is. What? And I was like, this is what it is. It's Teddy Ruxpin's <laughs> eyes. <laughs> uh, <sighs> well, and I will say, tell you this much. Actually, I was a little bit wrong. I read that it retailed for $100. Maybe that was back in 2017. I looked it up on Amazon. I don't know if it's in short supply. $230 was the asking price on Amazon. That's insane. No. Or you could get a Nintendo Switch for that same amount. Way cooler. Right? So there's there's a couple things. 
things I want to dig in here with the modern Teddy Ruxpin, because I think there's some interesting discussion points here. On a, on a more serious note, what bothers me, you're no longer reading a book with Teddy, the modern Teddy Ruxpin as a child. Like, he's no longer with you. You, ha- you. I said it's an app, right? That's where you get the stories. Yeah. So the child has to stare at the phone. That's where the story is. And there are endless studies about how bad that is. You know, that it's bad early on to get kids into tablets, into screens, because it's just a hypnotizing, just like Teddy's dead eyes, it's a hypnotizing LCD void that just kills human interaction between two people and building that sort of trust and relationship that kids had with the original Teddy. And so I, I hate that it's on a screen. They were looking at a book before. Is that better? There's something that's more hypnotizing and engaging about like the brightness and the movement that's on an LCD screen than like okay. the tactile. I'm not disagreeing with you. Book. I'm just kind of asking because I guess in one yeah. hand the kids were staring at a book, but in fact, I want to talk about some of the reviews I saw. But one of the complaints from a parent is that they wish it was an actual book rather than the app. Totally, because the app starts to bridge that gap to television. Which again, I was like, that's the weird VHS thing with Teddy and Chill. Where you're no longer with the bear experiencing right. something like together, you face to face. Now you're just passively consuming media together. Yeah. I just, I think that's bad. I don't like that it's on the phone. I think there's an interesting nostalgia discussion I want to have with you here, though, which is really neat. You know, we've seen re releases of toys or reinvention of toys from the 80s that were awesome, and then they come back in some iteration or another. And some modern adults might have purchased said Ecto 1. <laughs> it's a great example. Vehicles, that's, you know, for that's instance. Exactly, that's exactly where I'm going. <laughs> So I know they're releasing Teddy for today's young audience. I get that. Using the brand and how it functioned, but they don't seem to care about the people, whoever's doing this today, right now. I forget the name of the company. We just Wicked Cool two Games. Seconds ago. Wicked Cool Games. There's evil in the name. We shouldn't be surprised. <laughs> they're just leveraging it and the tools, but I feel like they're glossing over what helps make Teddy so nostalgic and what would make parents today want to buy Teddy for their kids to help relive their nostalgia is it's not, it doesn't look or really act necessarily like the original Teddy, what made it so charming. Like mm. it's a different design. There's no books. It's a different voice. And so when you get these re-releases of toys of, I don't know, we're still doing Transformers. Transformers are cool, but imagine if like they re-released the Optus Prime today that they had originally, just like it was. Yeah. And like the nostalgia factor would be awesome. There it is. You get to hold it again. It's the same weight, the same plastic curves in the same way. And you now get to play with it with your own kids, like Kenner did with the Ghostbusters line. Right. Where it's, it is the OG Ghostbusters, the same packaging. I, to me, and maybe I'm unique in this, I think that's awesome. I think that's how to crush it with re-releasing old school toys and content. What do you think? Well, I, mean, I think it's just a different strategy. The strategy that you're talking about is we're going to get to the kids through the parents' nostalgia. And I think the direction they went with the new Teddy is we're going to create something that kids actually want. It's not yeah. so much about the adults. This is about the kids. Now, whether or not it's successful, I guess, will bear out in the no, – uh, no pun intended. I didn't actually – I didn't mean it. I I, some, I love a pun that was unintentional. Um, but I think it would bear out in like the, the sales, right? And I don't know what they are. The issue – hmm. I appreciate they're trying to do something that appeals to a modern kid, right, and the world that we live in. Think about young kids who get into a game like Minecraft. Minecraft is all about creating a world you want to create. And to me, it's like we have so many great pieces of technology. Why isn't there an app, which I know you're not a fan of, but an app where a kid can create a story and then Teddy can tell that story? Oh, that's a genius idea. You know, we have talking AI assistants on our phone. We have the ability – You know, no longer are you (laughs) – 
Do you have to have a second track of magnetic tape to move the servos in the mouth? We're not dealing with those limitations of technology. And the thing is, is that old Teddy was cutting edge and this new Teddy isn't. It's just, there's nothing that's like mind blowing about it. If there's a good approach to bring it back, I don't know that they found it. But I guess the ultimate arbiter are the children. Are the kids. What are the kids into? Well, Ben, on Amazon, out of a thousand ratings. Oh, yeah. What's what's its rating? What do you think the new Teddy, how many stars? Well. Out of five. To be fair. Thousand ratings. The kids aren't leaving the reviews. It's the parents. You are not wrong, but you know parents these days, they're so tuned into what their kids like and don't like, and they're ready to report on it. But bias we have to acknowledge. Well, and I also think there's an investment worry here because it's so freaking expensive. You're going to hate yourself if you don't like it. You're like telling yourself it has to be okay. good because I spent the family fortune on this. I'm going to go four stars. 4.5. Okay. But we also live in a world where people don't like things. They are not afraid to tell you. They are not. Especially parents. And so I feel like on the other hand, you are correct. But also there's oh this God. other aspect of I will be brutal and my honesty. Please tell me you're about to read us a one-star review of Teddy Ruxpin on Amazon. Oh, I don't have a one-star review. But I will say the criticisms that I saw mostly is that the toy stops working after minor bumps or falls. Like it just oh. shuts down. So there's like lemons out there. And apparently the sleep mask is like tucked in a pocket you wouldn't actually know is there. Those are the things that most of the parents were critiquing in the toy. If you find a one-star, please read it. <laughs> I think I got a good one. All right, okay, so to, let's hear it. I I'm excited. Look it up. This is a one-star review from three years ago from Silky Seams. Oh, good old Silky. These are nowhere near as durable as the 80s version, but nothing is anymore. Hate the LED eyes. But worst of all, he was not durable at all. He fell off a child's picnic table seat about six inches off the ground, maybe eight inches, not even a foot. And he kept acting like he was skipping. His eyes went dark. And he's going, eh, eh, eh. Oh over my and over. <laughs> oh my God. It was truly horrible for a child to suddenly have a toy they enjoyed so much to get broken without so much as dropping it. Also, storybooks are not included. You must buy them on a tablet. You have to own a tablet or a phone. Mm, that's kind of a classist thing, too. Like, you have to own some yeah, serious hardware point. to make this happen uh, to get them. Then you have to buy them. Also, Grubby is nowhere, so Teddy just talks to a disembodied voice that no one would know who it is. Oh, interesting. Never seen He's like, Grubby, what do you think? And Grubby's like, I don't know. And the kid's like, who is Grubby? Who's talking? All caps. Bring back the books in real book form. <laughs> like, four exclamation points. Children are on tablets and phones more than enough. Giving them a real book they can hold in their hands will be the best thing in the world. That was a pretty good one. I, there's a lot here. It was pretty good. That's like a legit one-star review. It's not like, is it like what I remember from my childhood? Exactly. Would have zero right. stars if I could. It wasn't one of those. <laughs> like, those were all legitimate complaints and pretty much what I read. I maybe even actually read yeah, that one. Exactly. Like a lot of things on Amazon, there are people who have a terrible experience and they're going to tell you. Oh, yeah. Not everyone has a great experience. We'll tell you. But 4.5 out of 5 stars. So we've given our review of the latest Teddy Ruxpin. We've read the review of A Complete Stranger. Yeah. Let's go somewhere in the middle. We asked the class of 80s high, what's your hot take? We sure on did. the latest iteration yeah. of Teddy Ruxpin. What do they have to say? First one of mine is just a very long scream with an exclamation point. It's just, ah! ah! Yeah. It. It's great. Yeah. We also have Creepy AF. <laughs> it's totally good. Totally good. <laughs> 
Uh, someone else just wrote, it will kill us all. Yes. So Especially when it's going, eh, 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 eh. eh. Oh. Yeah. And we have Teddy's eyes make him look like he's done some hard time and seen some stuff he can't tell people about. This new Teddy ain't playing around. That's amazing. This is Hard Knocks Teddy. I love it. You haven't seen what I've seen. Right. I've been places. (laughs) You wouldn't even want to know. Well, one other set of reviews I wanted to say. Yeah, please. And people should just go watch the video. You're familiar with the series on YouTube Kids React? No. Where they're like today's kids that people are showing them like old technology, old oh, toys, okay. old, like an old phone, an it. old it's thing. Like, yeah. And they're like, what do, what do the kids think of our old timers toys back in the 80s? So they have one about Teddy Rexpin. And it's funny, like some of the kids immediately recognized him. A couple of them had one. And then like they actually have the kids interact with it. So Teddy's telling the story. The kids are so bored by I how bet. I bet. slow. For sure. This one girl's like, Hurry up! And she's sitting there and he's singing. She's like, "We're still on the first page." <laughs> it's just like, he's just singing and singing. These are some of the a quick recap of the things the kids said. Annoying, evil. I don't really like this. But also <laughs> I don't really like this. amazing, Aww. cute. Oh, we have better things now. Yeah, this is weird. <laughs> They're not wrong. I bet this was impressive back then. Okay, fair. Lifelike. Hmm. Amazing it came out back then. Way better technology now. That's kind of sad. Amazing it came out back then. What do you think we were like, all we had was like rocks and trees and stuff we were playing? But it's true. It was amazing when it came out. I mean, it was revolutionary. It's true. And then, Ben, you're going to appreciate this one. One of the girls in there, she mentions (laughs) having to sit through his ratchet song. (laughs) No. Wow. How old are these kids? She was the oldest of them. I want okay. to say she's probably like 13, his, I would say, maybe 13, maybe 14. So she was like the slug. oldest of the kids. They yeah. had a, a good age range. When children start using slang that I don't understand to put down things from my generation, that's, that makes me feel a little old. I'm not going to lie. Well, I do want to say this was from 2015. So when I say modern kids, those oh, okay. kids six years ago, almost seven years ago at this point. They're already complaining about adult, uh, kids now these days. I get it. They've grown up. So, okay. The kids have spoken. The modern audience has spoken. Not just all of us nostalgia addicts sure. who are like, what a nightmare. What an, <laughs> which is the the through line of all of this. I mean, some of them said amazing. The, no, it's true. A couple. Oh, know? this one girl was so enamored. She was really Aww. sweet. She was like giving him a big old bear hug and like, oh, I love him. He's so great. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's sweet. That was adorable. But most people were like, yeah, what's this mess? Well, so there's there's some opportunity coming back to learn about Teddy. So in May 2018, three years ago, it was announced that Alchemy again, original uh, Ken's company, and Throwback to Fraggle Rock, the Jim Henson Company would be making a new Teddy Ruxpin series. Okay. Animated as digital puppetry, blending a lot of mediums here, aimed at preschoolers is the target. So we're talking like a show? Yeah, show. Okay, okay. Digital puppetry that's animated. So this is and preschool. So now we're talking like two and a half to four, but it's been postponed. I'm gonna assume. Pandemic stuff has made this difficult. I don't understand digital image or digital puppetry. It's like a puppet show, but animated, I guess. So it looks like puppets, but they're actually. So it's like South Park, where they were in the old days, were like actually cutting oh. paper and moving. Is huh, it like Teddy that? Is South Park. Now that is an interesting concept. We're bringing concept. in all the references <laughs> nobody this expected is be today. Really fascinating. 
Uh, next month, this is supposed to come out. Uh, filmmaker Billy Tuma is working on a nine-part docuseries about covering Ken Forsey's life. I mean, it sounds like he did a bunch of stuff. So Amazing. I mean, the, the Disney, I don't know if they were called that back then, but he sounds like an Imagineer. Like That's he true. worked on a bunch of uh, attractions there and then went on to invent Teddy Ruxpin. But yeah, next month, January of 2022, it's supposed to be Ken Forsey, Come Dream With Me Tonight, the opening lyric from the theme song. Lovely. I do have one more thing from Chemistry that did come after Teddy Ruxpin, and I'm wondering how deeply you think it was influenced by Teddy Ruxpin. Okay. Ruxpin came out in 85. Three years later, we are introduced to Chucky in Child's Play. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about Snuggle, the downy bear. <laughs> oh, I, you know, they, you know, not that too different. If Snuggle was made into a, a teddy bear, I would have, as a kid. I oh, loved, for sure. I thought he was the most adorable thing ever. He was very adorable. Really into like household chores rather than storytelling. I get it. Like, you know, everyone's into their own thing. And then you push his stomach and he went, <laughs> oh, wait, that's a Pillsbury Toe Boy. Never mind. Oh, they're, all, they're all coming together. Chucky, child's play. Once again, much like Ted... I think there was something, you know, a lot of these properties we talk about were like, I see the connection, even though the creator's not like, my full inspiration was, you know, yeah, they don't really right, talk right, about right, right. it. Right. I think the main inspiration for that one were the My Buddy dolls. Oh, you're my talking buddy, about it. My Buddy, My Buddy. However, yeah. there's something in it for sure. Yeah. Okay. I, I feel like you were the more of the authority on that. That We'll see if we can ask Mikey too. We'll see what Mikey thinks. We'll I mean, Mikey would this. certainly know. Oh, it's a bit. I have actually one more thing I do want to talk about real quick. Talking about creativity and people doing fun things and nostalgia, there are a lot of old school Teddy Ruxpin hacks that people have done. Have you seen these? No, but I'm super excited for what you're about to say. Okay, so I've seen a couple of them. Uh, There's one where somebody reprogrammed, you know, knowing the technology that you explained earlier that goes into how the servos interact with tape and all that kind of stuff. People have like hacked their teddies so that they read any MP3 files that they play. What? There's one. This is <laughs> There's one where his teddy was like, let's play with matches. Let's yes. put medicine in mommy's drink. Awful things, right? Yeah. There's another thing called a chipboard that somebody used to enable Teddy to read tweets. <laughs> So, no. Now it's in a very. It's not in the Teddy Ruxman voice, of course. No. Uh, it's a very old school computer voice, so it sounds janky, but still kind of cool. Through the beginning, what was the talk show where like celebrities read angry tweets about themselves? Th- was that Conan O'Brien? Oh, Maybe. No, 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 no. no, no. It's uh, one of the it's Jimmy. Jimmy Kimmel. Is it, is it, I think it's okay. Kimmel. Yeah, I would love mean to tweets have, like celebrities read mean yes, tweets. Yeah, I would love to have Teddy read mean tweets about stuff. That would be funny. I'd watch it. Absolutely. And then also people using like Arduino, Raspberry Pi, Google Assistant, Alexa. Oh. Taking those things and incorporating it to give Teddy a new voice and a new life. I thought those things were kind of cool. Using that technology, if I was a Disney Imagineer and I was invited to give a presentation, I would definitely program my Teddy Ruxman to deliver my TED Talk. Because it's a Teddy Ruxman at the TED Talk. Come on, it's so on point. Absolutely. Come on. But I think this is the kind of creativity that like people, I, I always find very cool. It's like, it's very makery. It's very like engineer workshop, hacking, like that kind of stuff is super cool. But if you want to see someone physically hack, <gasps> they're Teddy Ruxpin. No, don't you talk about this. This There's is not a, a thing. YouTube channel called What's Inside. Oh and no, I think, oh my God. As I understand, this is their gimmick for a lot of things where they're just like, hey, we we see the exterior of a thing. If you want to see what the workings are, we're going to peel back all the layers. And peel back, they do. 
Oh God! What are the tools that are used? What are oh, they like doing a to open saw. It up? No, it's a kitchen knife. Like, oh my God! It's a dad and a son. They're having a little bit of fun. It's a, it's a little like I was watching it. Like, I don't know how I feel about this. But they do basically peel back all the layers. You see the foam underneath, and then you see the mechanism. But they do get it so it's basically just a mouth and eyes <gasps> on like plastic, and it's a little terrifying. terrifying. But fascinating, if you want to know what the original Teddy Ruxpin looks like on the inside, what's inside is the channel. And we'll put it in our show notes. Oh, my God. I mean, on one hand, it breaks my heart. Like, it it terrifies me that something so valuable and expensive and rare to find, they're just ripping it apart. Yeah. But, hey, if this is like a profitable YouTube channel, those ad dollars are going to help you buy 100 more Teddy Ruxpin. But there are channels where people get brand new iPhones and they just try to destroy them. Yeah. Just to Uh, do it. And they know they'll get views. And Oh, what was the other one? There's another channel that was around for a while for one of the blenders it will this blend will it blend i will love blend? that guy i think they blended an iphone i love that show that inspired me a lot for a lot so of, will uh, teddy stuff. blend that's the question no don't don't you take if you get a big enough an industrial size blender oh my god you just gave some sick maniac a great idea that come go blend for. with me, me tonight, tonight. <laughs> oh my oh. god Look, we've really gone through the world of Teddy Ruxpin, and I think yeah. it's come to the time where we need to see if this property climbs in an airship and rises high into the sky or crawls deep underground like maybe a worm, maybe a grub, who's to say? Uh, and let's head off to math class and see uh, how we think Teddy Ruxpin holds up today. Let's do it. Okay, we're here in math class. I do want to point out, uh, you just you gave me a great idea. This oh. is part of a contemporary culture a little bit. There's a blend into this. But if you still have an original Teddy Ruxpin, or yours was taken by a father and son and shredded on YouTube for the joy of millions of people <laughs> around the world, uh, out of the UK is the Teddy Ruxpin Hospital. Okay. So you can go to www.teddyruxpinhospital.com. And these people will facilitate – you can – if you have a Teddy Ruxman that's broken, you can ship it to them and they are experts in fixing OG Teddy Ruxpins. So this is like when you have a VCR, which you can't buy VCRs anymore, can't right? But you have like old tapes you want to watch. You have to go find some shop in a random strip mall. We're going to take it in. There's going to be a dude. It's going to be stacked with all old school electronics. He's like, The store is called Radio Shock. Yeah. And he's like, I will get this to you in two weeks. And you give him money and your old thing. And you're like, I guess it's going to get fixed. Like, That's well, basically what, what this is. Totally. I love it. It's great. He goes on an international adventure on an airship and he comes back and he talks again. It's great. And then he comes back and he's only reading the Necronomicon. So, <laughs> so I wanted, let's start with you. How do you feel... Teddy Ruxpin holds up 2021. The toy itself is amazing quality. Like I said, it's cute. I don't think it's creepy, really and truly. Like I, we joke about <laughs> it. And obviously when you rip the face off, it's terrifying. But Terrifying. Horrifying. Oh, my God. It packed a lot of new technology for the 80s inside of it, which was pretty awesome. Yeah. I think where it does fall apart for me are the stories themselves. As I mentioned earlier, I just felt like for a toy that's supposed to spark imagination, I found the world building really lackluster. Mm -hmm. None of the characters engaged me. The world didn't want me to learn more about it. But perhaps it was my age and when it was made. Different time, different era. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think that goes to my biggest critique, Ben, which is I won't call this toy a gimmick. Oh, yeah, okay. Even though wasn't it the last name of the – that's the inventor. The That's like part of the trio. 
Dr. Gimmick. Yeah, clues exactly. In the game, clues in the show. Interesting. I think it's definitely trapped by its own limitations. And yeah. I don't think it stands the test of time for modern sensibilities due to its price and lack of functionality. I really think like instead of an update, the developers missed the creative mark. Again, as I mentioned, with all of our technology, maybe if there was like that app where kids could create their own stories, add mm. their own voices, interact with the world, it could be better. But it sounds like they're just going to continue to do this sort of <laughs> storytelling bear. Just beat this dead bear. Yeah. And again, when you can buy a tablet for the same cost or like a Nintendo Switch, I think it's really hard to justify these days a single function device. Oh my God, yeah. I think it's easy to say kids don't have attention spans anymore. I think what we're missing also on the mark is that all of our attentions have shifted. And I think we have to recognize that what we loved in the past may not have a part in our present other than a fond nostalgia. Ooh. And there it is. You always deliver such a good math class summary. That is really, that was very poignant. That was very good. Ben's like, toy not good, me toy, no like. Uh, toy. Yeah, that's, that's what Grubby says. <laughs> I, was, I was talking to somebody this week about a very related issue about N- Nintendo 64. Mm. You know, I made the terrible decision as a teenager to sell a Nintendo 64, so I had money to buy like a PlayStation, mm-hmm. and I always miss my N64. So I got a working one again recently. And it is fun. There's a lot of nostalgia. I loved getting some of my old games back. But it, the graphics are terrible. I mean, yeah. so terrible that it's confusing what you're doing. It's hard to explain to a modern audience or even talk to friends today about how revolutionary they are at the time. Yeah. Because it's hard to envision yourself again or at least be able to storytell that nothing like it came before. And that it was revolutionary when it happened because we didn't know this was possible and that's what n64 was at the time that it like blew our minds of like four players on a single home console yeah. 3d worlds like that was mind-blowing goldeneye everybody played goldeneye, goldeneye. Yeah. yeah and i think like teddy rex was the same way we're like today it's like meh whatever no one had seen anything like this then and i yeah. i didn't know before researching for this episode you know the inventor was an imagineer and he brought the magic of the rides of disney world of seeing these larger-than-life characters that are alive to your bedroom to read you bedtime stories Mm -hmm. is a magical feat that is incredible and honorable. And that's amazing. That's amazing. This toy was incredible at its time. That's super freaking cool. I think what we didn't talk enough about in contemporary culture is, like, after Teddy Ruxman, there are so many toys that aren't a bear that talk to you as a kid, that animate, that light up, that move because you engaged with them somehow. Mm. And I wasn't able to do enough research to say, like, Teddy's ground zero for this happening. But, like, there's not a lot of evidence of toys like that coming before, necessarily, of, like, actual electronic audio talking to you as the child. Right. So that concept of a toy engaging with you in an electric sense holds up today because those toys are crazy popular, crazy Mm. popular of all sorts of kinds. But I think I'm with you where, like, Teddy itself is very limited. Kids today, short attention span and multipurpose is, like, what they're looking for and stuff. And Teddy's too, he's too simple. Yeah. So I just don't think Teddy holds up today. And like you and I said, oh, my God, the the show Mm. does not hold up today. Go see how long you last on that live action show, buddy. Not at all. And even, 
even though we watched the whole series a year ago for this podcast, I would watch all of Dino Riders this weekend if somebody wanted to watch it. I'd go watch it right after we're done recording. We should watch it tonight right away. But I will not watch Teddy Rocksmith. So, yeah, I'm there with you. It's a beautiful thing from the 80s. It spawned everything. I think it's a hard thing to enjoy in 2021 today. Yeah. But just like Teddy Ruxpin has spawned so many great future successes, this episode is hopefully spawning a future great episode of 80s High. Chris, you have anything in the hopper for us? So actually, this show was very much an inspiration. And you've been. Oh. We're an inspiration. Come because with me. <laughs> Because you often tell us where your inspiration comes from when you set up your next show topic. You're like, there are three things that came together for me. Like, you always do that. And so I was channeling a little bit of Benjamin. Uh Uh-oh, dangerous. Because I must say, your choice of childhood toys today for this episode, Mm. Teddy Ruxman, did influence also our next topic. And what we're going to talk about. You know, our next episode, Ben, is going to come out the week of Christmas. (gasps) What perfect timing. And if you celebrate this holiday like we do, listeners, Mm. I think you can recall that one toy you wanted so badly for Christmas. Oh. You dropped hints to your family. Maybe even play a commercial loudly or have a Sunday ad propped up on a display somewhere so your parents would see or hear it. You might write about this amazing toy in a school essay. It's so in your head, it might feel like the story loops over and over and over. I dare say for 24 hours. But of course. (gasps) You wouldn't. You wouldn't. But of course. You wouldn't dare. No desire can truly come to fruition. No present can be made manifest. Oh, God. Without a visit. Oh, we're doing it. To the ultimate wish maker himself, the department store Santa. And that's just what our good friend does in pursuit of the ultimate toy, a Red Rider carbine action 200 shot range model air rifle. With a compass in the stock. That's right, Ben. (laughs) On the next episode of 80s High, we will be revisiting our pal Ralphie Parker, along with his friends and family, as he regales us with the 1983 movie classic, A Christmas Story. Oh my God, yes. Oh, fantastic pick. I am, oh, I'm so excited to get into this movie. I feel like we're going to win a major award. (laughs) (laughs) It is a major award. So Ben, Mm. we both better make sure we drink our Ovaltine so that we can be ready to accept this major award in our laps, in our hearts, in our ears, in our eyes on the next episode of 80s High! Thanks, everyone, for listening to 80s High Podcast by Ben and Chris. Our theme song is by Greg Reed at gregreedmusic.com with vocals by Chad Bumford. Show artwork is by Alex Goddard at alexgoddarddesign.com. If you like the show, please support us by passing a note to a friend in your next class. Also, you can rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts to help spread the rumor. Stay radical.